This episode of The Pediatrician Next Door is brought to you by our sponsor, Roadrunner Sports. When it's time for a new pair of running or walking shoes, there's no better place to start than Roadrunner Sports. For the past 40 years, they have specialized in finding your perfect fitting running and walking shoes through a revolutionary in-store fitting process. Stop by one of more than 45 stores across the country or visit roadrunnersports.com. Use code NEXTDOOR, N-E-X-T-D-O-O-R, on-site or mention this offer at your local store and receive 20% off your first order when you become a VIP member. One of the things I love about pediatrics is how resilient kids are, both mentally and physically. They basically heal themselves if you don't touch them and ruin it. Kids grow super fast and they have growth factors floating around in their blood, raging through their body that help them heal. However, their unique physiology also means they are prone to injuries in ways that adults are not. And this has implications for being more likely to have a sports injury and it changes how doctors manage their injuries. Let me tell you a couple cool things to set the stage before we go on and talk about specific injuries. First, Kids grow taller, right? But their rapid bone growth means they have a bit different bone mineral density, and some of their bones break a little bit more easily. Also, bones grow faster than muscles, and muscles aren't able to stretch and keep up with their bones. So there's this inequality between muscle length and bone length, and we see some unique injuries because of this. You can see this when you ask your child to touch their toes. Ask a four-year-old and then ask a 15-year-old. During rapid growth, I usually see reduced flexibility. But this unequal growth also causes a type of bone fracture that's relatively unique to kids. And it's called an avulsion fracture. That's when the forceful contraction of a muscle on the muscle's tendon pulls a small piece of bone off where the tendon attaches to the bone. A similar event of a muscle contraction in an adult is more likely to cause a tendon strain or a tendon tear rather than pull off a piece of bone. Kids also tend to have fewer sprains compared to adults, even if they have the same twist or fall. Sprains are a ligament injury, and kids' growth plates are so susceptible to injury that the growth plate in a kid is going to break before their ligament tears. In school-age kids, like age 5 to 12, These poor kids have less developed fine motor skills, so we see some pretty funny injuries, like the kid who broke both forearms when he fell from his skateboard and put out both hands. And in adolescents, like age 13 to 18, these goofballs suddenly have greater body mass, so we see more injuries from collisions than we tend to see in adults who don't tend to run into each other with great force as frequently as teens do. These kids aren't so accustomed to their big size, and they have weirder accidents. I take care of kids with a ton of different injuries in my clinic, but the really bad ones, those go to a specialist. So I talked to pediatric orthopedic and sports medicine surgeon, Dr. Andy Pennock, about the unique injuries that student athletes have and how to manage them. I'm Dr. Wendy Hunter, and I'm the pediatrician next door. I'm that doctor friend you call for practical advice about your kid's health. I mix the science of medicine with the reality of parenting. Over the past 10 to 15 years, the number of sports injuries in kids, as you may know, has increased a lot. For example, shoulder and elbow injuries in baseball or softball players has increased by 500% just in the last decade. 
and ACL injuries are up 400%. There are many reasons for the increase, primarily that more kids are playing more sports for more time. We're seeing a lot of sports specialization, but it doesn't help you as a parent for me to tell you that your kids need to cut back on sports. That's not what we're talking about today. If you have a kid in sports, you're going to deal with an injury at some point. It might be a big one and it might be a small one. And I know you think that you know how to evaluate pain in your student athlete, but forget everything you know as an adult. Some of the treatment and evaluation of injuries in kids, it is straightforward, but the structure of the growing skeleton causes kids to have different injuries than adults. I interviewed pediatric orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Andy Pennock, about the unique injuries that student athletes have. I really appreciate his perspective in particular because he has a very realistic approach. He doesn't approach treating as black and white. He understands that his treatment protocols are complicated by kids' physiology, and he also takes into account that these are student athletes who need to get back to play. Anatomically, kids are still growing, so you have open growth plates. That brings up some unique injuries that we see that are definitely different than adults. I think a good example would be shoulder problems. On the adult side, the most common thing they're operating on is rotator cuffs. We very rarely operate on rotator cuffs when it comes to shoulder. We typically take care of shoulders that are dislocating, shoulder instability. And that really is an adolescent and young adult problem. Dr. Pennock highlighted the difference in the types of injuries you'll see in the same joint in a kid versus an adult. The rotator cuff. It's made up of muscles in their tendons that attach at the shoulder. Adults are far more likely to tear these tissues than kids are. And there are two primary structural differences that explain why kids have different injuries of the shoulder. First, kids' rapid bone growth means they have a different bone mineral density, as I said before, and they're more likely to crack a bone or break it at the growth plate than they are to tear a tendon around the rotator cuff. Second, they have growth plates all over the place, and the growth plates are made of cartilage. Cartilage is prone to injury from repeated minor stress. So that's why only kids with open growth plates can have what we call little leaguer's shoulder. It can occur in any athlete that throws overhead repeatedly. A similar thing happens in the elbow, and we call that little leaguer's elbow. One injury that is more commonly seen in kids at the shoulder is a dislocation. Dislocations don't happen quite as often in adults. Partly it's because kids run into another person at high speed more often than adults do, but also that protective capsule around the shoulder, it just hasn't quite fully formed and stabilized during the teen years. It's really telling to ask a pediatric orthopedic surgeon, what are the most common surgeries they perform? The answer reflects the different physiology that young athletes have. Here, Dr. Pennock reflects his experience. See if you can identify the reason why each of these injuries are common among kids. Most common surgery I do would be an ACL reconstruction. Second most common would be a patella that's dislocating. Third one would be a shoulder dislocating. And then fourth would be a meniscus that's torn. And then the others might fall into more chronic injuries that just happens to require a surgery or the less common traumatic injuries that, that need a surgery. Anterior cruciate ligament or ACL injuries are one of the most common surgeries because it's an injury that generally actually needs an operation in order to be repaired compared to other sports injuries in kids that largely heal on their own. 
ACL injuries are more common in female athletes, and that's thought to be partly because of their hormones, but also because of the biomechanics of the knee joint, and that the angle between the hip and the knee in girls is increased, and their landing mechanics lead to additional stress on that ACL ligament. That kind of thing is not seen in other athletes. Shoulder instability from a dislocation and ACL injuries are often going to require intervention, meaning a surgical operation, and that's not likely to change. But as physicians have started to better understand how different children and adolescents' bone is from adults, the management of another sports injury has done a complete 180. I'm talking about collarbone fractures. Fractures of the clavicle are very common in every age, even adults. But the management in a person with a growing skeleton, also known as a kid, is different. It's really fascinating to watch the evolution of orthopedic treatment of clavicle fractures over the last three decades. 30 years ago, nobody ever got surgery unless the bone came through the skin. And I'm not saying we're just pushing the skin up where it came through the skin or unless it was compromising the nerve vascular structures, the big blood vessels underneath the collarbone, or the, there's a series of nerves there. If those were compromised, those were your reasons for indication. Other than that, really nobody got surgery. And then a study, a randomized control study, a well-done study led by Michael McKee came out of Canada and the Orthopedic Trauma Society there, really suggesting that in adult patients, those that had surgery actually did better than those that did not. And now multiple iterations of that study have been performed around the world. Some of those adult studies have shown that their results were similar to the Michael McKee's original results. Other studies have actually refuted that, saying that there actually aren't dramatic benefits. And other than reducing the odds of that bone not healing, there's no real benefit of surgery. So surgery might improve the odds of healing. So when we come to adolescence, and what we've really studied are patients that are 19 years of age or younger. So I don't think we can extrapolate our data out to the 20 to 25-year-old age group. But we as an institution have invested a lot of time, energy, and resources into studying this, as well as part of a multi-center study group. So our partners, and I don't want to leave them out, but down in Dallas, in St. Louis, in Boston, San Francisco, some of the larger orthopedic uh, research centers, pediatric research centers have now pooled well over a thousand patients that we followed prospectively. So we enrolled them at the time of their injury and we tracked their outcomes, whether they got surgery or not. I think we very conclusively and very definitively shown that non-operative treatment does better for these. And what happened was about 15 years ago, Surgeons managing adolescent athletes started treating them like adult athletes. We kind of forgot that these kids are still growing and that a 14, an 18-year-old clavicle is not the same as a 35-year-old clavicle. They almost uniformly heal. So we'll see a non-union about 1% of the time where the bone doesn't heal. Whereas in the adult side, it's 10 to 15% of the time. So I just saw one today. So they do rarely pop up but we can address that 1% with surgery with a good outcome. The other 99% are gonna heal without a surgery. So that's not really a reason to operate. And then the functional deficits that may result from a, a clavicle that can look very scary to a family on an X-ray, 
we've actually shown that really functionally we don't see deficits. So we've done these studies at, at Rady, strength testing them, checking their motion, functional assessments with no deficits between those that were fixed and those that weren't. Boston has recreated that. Atlanta has also done a study showing the same thing. So over and over now, we have studies showing that adults potentially behave differently than teenagers and that we really don't need to fix these. This episode of The Pediatrician Next Door is made possible by our sponsor, Roadrunner Sports. Got foot pain or aching joints? Need more comfortable shoes to wear all day and don't know where to get expert advice on the best pair of running or walking shoes? Roadrunner Sports has you covered. Stop by one of Roadrunner Sports' 48 stores across the country and experience the perfect fit zone, a revolutionary fitting process that takes personalized shoe comfort to a whole new level. The experts at Roadrunner Sports learn about your running, walking, or fitness habits, dig into any aches, pains, or injuries to help guide your shopping experience. They even scan your foot in 3D to find the perfect size to analyze your arches for any imbalances. With all the top fitness brands such as Brooks, Hoka, On, Asics, Saucony, Nike, and more, this truly feels like running shoe heaven. Not close to one of their stores? The Virtual Fit Finder will simplify your shoe buying journey online and help find perfect fitting shoes just for you. The best part? Their VIP family program will ensure you receive savings and rewards cash on every order. You even get 90 days to test run your shoes to be sure they are perfect for you. Stop by roadrunnersports.com today to learn more about the fitting experience and find your local store. Use code NEXTDOOR, N-E-X-T-D-O-O-R on site, or mention this offer at your local store and receive 20% off your first order when you become a VIP member. Find your best fit ever at Roadrunner Sports today. does the different structure of kids' muscles and bones affect which injuries they get, it also changes how we treat their injuries. Kids heal better and faster than adults, even to the point that if you have a deformed bone or if a kid breaks their collarbone and the pieces of the bone are either like centimeters apart or if they're overlapping, if you do an x-ray a year later, you won't even be able to tell they broke their bone. The bones know where they are supposed to be and they remodel themselves back into the right position. There are a number of things that are different about kids' skeletons, but none is more interesting than their growth plates. There are two types of growth plates in a child's skeleton. One is located at the ends of their long bones, and these growth areas add length as a child ages. These are called physes. The other type of growth areas are called apophyses, and these growth areas contribute more to the shape of the adult bone, and many of them are areas where the major muscle tendons attach to the bone. The growth plates begin as just cartilage. They're not made of bone, and they're located near the ends of the bones. There's a progression to form the solid bones that adults have. So for a period of time, there's an intermediate phase where the growth plate, it's partially calcified into bone and partially still cartilage. And it has a potential for like a clean cleavage plane that breaks easily. This is why kids have a group of injuries that adults can't have. Dr. Pennock explains one group of these types of conditions. There's a group of diagnoses that we call, we have to put a fancy name on all this stuff, 
So we call it attraction apophysitis. So traction literally meaning pulling, apophysis is the growth plate, itis meaning inflamed. So pretty much the muscle tendon pulling on a growth plate is causing it to become irritated. The most common that many of us are familiar with is Osgood-Schlatter that occurs at the knee. It's the bump below the kneecap. 10% of young athletes, particularly male running athletes, so we see it in our soccer players and basketball players a lot, will go through or experience Osgood-Schlatter. Typically starts around age 10 when that growth plate appears, and then once the growth plate fuses around age 14 to 16, for most but not all, it disappears. A similar process occurs on the heel bone. We call it sievers. Multiple bones and tendons that attach those bones around the body can be affected. We have kind of fancy names for all of them, but bottom line, they're just growth plate irritations. A lot of families get really worried about it. Fortunately, there's so rarely a major issue. For the most part, kids can play through it. At least two of my kids have had bouts of it. It's one of those things I'll allow a young athlete to play through it as long as the sport or activity is still fun. If it's bad enough that it's not fun, then they need a break. And I typically start with two weeks. If that's not enough, then I go to six weeks. If it's a profound limp that the kid comes in with, then I think they need to be protected a little bit more. And same thing, I'll rest those ones for a few weeks. Once the limp is gone, they can then progress back to sports. Flexibility can potentially mitigate some of those symptoms. So for the, let's say, osgood schlatter the pain in the front of the knee, stretching the quadricep muscle in the front is really important. For sievers on the Achilles or on the heel bone where the Achilles attaches, stretching the Achilles is pretty important. The rest is potentially necessary. Ice data is very unclear and controversial on the role of ice in 2023. Studies showing that ice maybe impairs healing. Others uh, suggesting it maybe helps. I think the jury is out. Bottom line, common sense. If ice feels good, ice. If ice doesn't feel good, probably don't emphasize it a lot. But I think the main thing is it's something that, to me, they can play through, and it's a little bit of a, a waiting game for it to run its course. I think the other big thing is you don't want to miss something else, though. A lot of times we chalk things up as growing pains when they're actually, let's say, the knee. It might be an osteochondritis dissecans, which is a, a lesion of the bone and cartilage that you see classically in that same age group. And that's something that won't necessarily go away and not infrequently requires surgery. So I think that's the one thing that we just want to make sure we're not missing something larger. There are also a number of conditions that only kids get that mimic sports injuries. A lot of these growth plate irritations, that pain, it comes and goes and kids can ignore the pain. But kids can also get weird things like infections of their bones and it can feel like an ache and not cause a fever. They can get stress fractures from repetitive movements like running a lot. And they can have abnormalities of their bones that are present from birth, but don't cause a problem until the child becomes more active as they get older. I've even seen bone tumors show up as a pain that was thought to be from overuse in sports. So if your athlete has pain in the same area for two or three days, they need to see a doctor. Now I've scared you, but... 
Most of the time, pain from sports is from overuse. Kids are playing a lot of sports and increasingly they're playing the same sport all year round. And once you've had an evaluation from your pediatrician or sports med doctor or an orthopedic surgeon, we often will just recommend physical therapy, also known as PT. So PT is a huge challenge for students. We're talking about kids who are already extremely busy and it's hard to add one more thing that takes time that they don't have. Plus, PT can be expensive, but it can also be really helpful. I recommend finding a physical therapist that is convenient, something in your bubble, something you can get to, and somebody who has appointments available when your child does. Also, you can check that they're in your insurance network. Here are some tips from Dr. Pennock. Utilizing the physical therapy when necessary to get a good home program and really putting the responsibility on the young athlete that they do the exercises at home. I use the analogy of you go to the dentist. You go to the dentist to have them do the annual maintenance or the biannual maintenance, but in the end, the flossing and the brushing is up to you. And same thing when it comes to therapy. That's You're only in therapy once or twice a week. Most of these uh, exercises you need to be doing every single day. Partnering with a good therapist that you trust, you can then pass on a good home program that's graduated and can progress to getting either an injured athlete back to sport or hopefully addressing deficiencies that can keep them healthy and prevent, or at least, I don't like using the word prevented because a lot of these injuries can't be prevented, but maybe mitigates or risk reduction, so reducing the odds of an injury. I haven't seen data on this, but in my experience, having an injury puts an athlete at risk for another injury. You need to play at your best. Pain can be a distraction during practices or even during the game. At the same time, sometimes athletes have to play through the pain. I asked Dr. Pennock how he manages his patients in terms of playing through pain. Pain is a really challenging topic and it's a challenging diagnosis to treat. I mean, as you know, in your practice, I guess you got to get to what we think is at the roots of the pain. I mean, is it really all driven by a biologic process? I mean, is it magnified by a psychologic components where maybe somebody's not in a great mental place? Maybe, gosh, their family dynamic isn't great. And until some of those issues get resolved, their pain may not completely improve or it may not be totally addressed. So I, I think that is something that you have to have more of a holistic and approach where you see the whole child, the family, and getting beyond just the specific complaints. I think pain, with, when it comes to athletes, I think it's common sense. If, if your body's hurting, that's your body's way of telling you, you probably need to rest a little bit, maybe a lot, depending on the nature of the pain. But let's be honest, if You've trained for a year to make the Junior Olympics. You finally made it. It's next week, and next week is your time to shine. Are you really not going to compete because you have a little bit of pain? No, you're going to find a way to manage that with whatever modality, anti-inflammatories, optimizing your rest leading up to that event. And I'm going to let that kid almost every time chase their dream and compete through the, the pain. But I think the conversation on the backside is, Hey, once you compete, assuming you can, you, your body clearly needs some rest. And the longer you ignore the pain, the longer it's going to take to get better on the backside. So if you can nip it in the rear on the, on the early, on the front end, I think the recovery 
is often better and you can get them back faster. And I think the same thing, if you're playing through pain and ignoring it all the time, it's hard to perform well. And there comes a point where your performance is affected enough that you just need to take time off. It's okay. Dr. Pennock brought up a topic that is often overlooked in terms of sports and that it's not just the pain of physical stress, but psychological stress. I remember this very poignant moment when I had seen a few football players in the emergency room and I really couldn't find anything physically wrong with them, but they were really overplaying their pain. And that's when the patient access person, you know, that's the guy who takes your insurance. He commented to me that these kids, they just want an excuse to take time off from their sport. He himself had been a ball player and he had that inside view. His comments just always really stuck with me. I think a lot of these athletes, they don't know why they're having pain. These are driven, conditioned athletes, but they're also still adolescents with a teenage brain. And the expectations of adults can become really high and they over-control these young athletes. The pressure to win in some of these athletic programs is really overemphasized. And the stakes may seem really high when an athlete is trying to be recruited by a college. And sometimes they lose that perspective of the benefit of the sport that's lost. Sports can be enjoyable, or sometimes they can be anxiety-filled for student-athletes. It's okay to periodically have times to rest and recover and give the mind a break and the body a break. There is nothing you can do to change a kid's physiology, but there are a few things you can do to limit their risk. Dr. Pennock and I talked about things parents can do to reduce the severity of injuries back in episode 32. One recommendation I've heard that I liked is that the number of hours per week a kid plays in one sport should equal that child's age in years. So a 10-year-old can play basketball 10 hours a week, and that can help prevent overuse injuries. Kids are prone to some injuries just because they're kids. And I hope that your new understanding of some of the reasons why we see some of these injuries help you to guide their activities. Thank you to Dr. Pennock for sharing his realistic approach to managing injuries and pain in student athletes. Let me know your experience and what else you'd like to hear about. My contact info is in the show notes. For more from the Pediatrician Next Door, find me on the web at pediatriciannextdoorpodcast.com. If you've got a question about the weird things kids do, send an email to hello at pediatriciannextdoorpodcast.com for a chance to hear your voice on the show. I'm Dr. Wendy Hunter, and I'm the pediatrician next door. This show is produced by Red Rock Music. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever it is you're listening. I'll be back next time with more.